I want to say a hearty welcome to all of you this morning. Thank you for being here. Uh, this is a grand day. Uh, a little bit more contemplative when it comes to our worship through music. We really want us. We really want to think and engage in what we're about to participate in. Today we're going to celebrate the body of Christ. The body of Christ. In the body of Christ, you see unity, you see humility, you see camaraderie, all of this happening in the congregation. Local assemblies that are meeting now all across the globe or through this last 24-hour period uh, around the globe. But local assemblies that make up the universal body of Christ. Nonetheless, we have something special here. This is the local body of Christ that meets on this campus, Cross Point Community Church, and actually around this county through the week. So I hope you're ready to celebrate that today. Uh, we're going to start by observing the Lord's Supper. This is going to be a bit different than we normally uh, would do, but nonetheless, we want to take some time to do exactly what Jesus tells us to do, is celebrate the Lord's Supper. In fact, I don't know if we could possibly... Sh- There it is, right there. Every time we celebrate the Lord's Supper, we want to remind ourselves exactly why we're doing this. We're not doing this to simply make ourselves feel good about ourselves. I'm going to tell you, we're not doing this to check we did this so that we earn merit with God somehow. That is not why we're doing this. Jesus Christ himself says why we are to do this. And it's actually on the first line up there. It is obedience. Prior to going to the cross, in the upper room, Jesus Christ has all of his disciples gathered. He's washed their feet in an amazing expression of humility. He's washed their feet. He's preparing them for something amazing to happen. They don't know exactly what's going to happen. But Jesus knows something's going to happen. He's about to go on the cross for the sins of the world. Prior to going to the cross, he he, he celebrates this Passover meal. And the symbolism behind this just takes, takes just a heightened view now. He celebrates the broken body and the shed blood in form of bread and wine. Bringing this whole discussion to an, an amazing expression of, of meaning to what, who are known as New Covenant believers. That's to you and me. As they're sitting around... This, this celebration time, observing the Passover, he tells us, do this in remembrance of me. He tells all his disciples, do this. As often as you come together, do this in remembrance of me. Paul, in 1 Corinthians 11, reiterates that to a, just kind of like this piece together church that's struggling with pride, uh, the church Corinth. And he says this, do this. He reminds them what Jesus says, do this in remembrance of me. So why do we do this, brothers and sisters? Savior tells us to do this. It's also an opportunity to share adoration for Christ. So this is not just duty where we're just, yes, yes, we're coming together because you told us to do. No, this is a time of beautiful adoration. Do this in remembrance of me. And I'm just going to just say it right now. There is so much on our minds. I, I, I mean, I can't pretend to know what you're wrestling through in your mind today. But if we're anywhere on the same globe right now, my mind is racing with uncertainties. Disgust. I mean, just to be honest with you, outright disgust sometimes of what's happening around me. 
politically, culturally, socially, all this stuff happening, uh, physically, mentally, psychologically, what's happening in our world right now, and I just become angry. Well, Jesus says, come together. And when you come together, focus your attention on something when you do the Lord's Supper, when you participate in it, and that is me. Do this in remembrance of me. So why are we participating today in the Lord's Supper? It is all out adoration of Jesus Christ. This event that we participate in, this is especially dynamic. This, is, this means the most to those of us who have come to Jesus by grace through faith. Those who have been rescued by the blood of the Lamb. There are some onlookers today that are wondering what this is all about. And I would say, as just as I prayed a minute ago, Jesus is drawing you. He's drawing you to come to him. But this remembrance right now is symbolic of Jesus' blood and body that was bruised and broken for you and for me. Remember that. A lot of times we ask the kids, what's, what's symbolic of the bread? It's his body. This is no fairy tale story. This is not turning on the Disney Channel to watch this new episode. No, no. this really, really happened where our Lord and Savior went to the cross where his body was bruised and broken, where he shed his blood for you and for me. And why? To give us relationship with a holy God relationship that you could not earn and I could not earn no matter how hard I possibly tried. As if I tried my entire life from the first time I understood about God till the day I breathed my last breath and I tried every good work I could possibly do, there's no way that I could even come close to the holiness of God. The only way that I can approach the holiness of God is through the shed blood of Jesus Christ. He was our substitute so brothers and sisters in Christ, when we come together today, it is an all-out adoration for our Savior. 1 Corinthians 11 gives us many clues why we come together. The third one there, it's to celebrate. I know there's a lot of different ways church congregations and denominations participate in this. Some of them are very somber, uh, you know, uh, real contemplative, and that's truly the case. We remember this. Uh, there is some sobering, there are a lot of sobering aspects to this. Why? Because Jesus died. But we also realize, brothers and sisters, that Jesus did not stay dead. That is the glorious good news, the gospel of Jesus Christ. That on the third day, he resurrected from the grave. So that third one there, it's all out celebration. What do we come together? It's to celebrate what Jesus did for us. Um, Paul, to this church in Corinth that are trying to figure out this whole Lord's Supper thing. He says, when you come together, as often as you do this, you do it to proclaim. It's to announce. It's like a celebration. You celebrate the Lord's death. His substitutionary death. He took our place. We celebrate that till He comes. There's another one there, examination in Christ. Paul also, and I'll go a little more quickly through this uh, as we we're going to be here till three this afternoon if I don't pick it up a little bit. It's examination. First Corinthians 11. 
Paul clearly says to the church, he says, when you come together, do, do not do this in an unworthy manner. Don't take this lightly. Don't play games here. This is, this is not something to just check off that we did. This is not something that we just happened to do on a Sunday morning. No, this is serious stuff, brothers and sisters in Christ. We examine our hearts, and one of the ways we examine our hearts is to see if there's any apathy to God's grace in our lives. This grace that is to bring us together. One of the most impactful expressions of the unity of the body is the Lord's Supper in the New Testament. You come together. Often I refer to this church in Corinth. This church in Corinth would celebrate this, and you would kind of see them maybe in a courtyard celebrating around this meal, and it was like a faction over here of people of a certain you know, affluence potentially, or a faction over here of people with a certain interest, and they kind of spread out through this. And Paul's like, what are you doing Do you not realize that you're not any better than you, and you're not any better than you, and this group's not any better than this group? We are one in Christ. Communion is a celebration of unity, brothers and sisters. Today, when we participate in in the body and blood of Jesus Christ, symbolizing what he did for us, it is a sign of unity in Christ. And the last one there, examination and unity go hand in hand. Examination is where we spend time considering our lives, if I've done anything to harm my brother and sister in Christ in this room, or maybe there's someone not here today because you know you've done something to harm them. You know what? You know what communion is to do for us? (laughs) It's to put shoes to the gospel. Go get them. If you've done You go find them and you say, I did not show you the love of Jesus Christ and I apologize, brother and sister. Union. So why do we do this? It's just not something we come lightly and be like, yeah, we did communion today. No, no. This is serious stuff. It is because of obedience to Christ, adoration of Christ, celebration for Christ, examination in Christ, and unity through Christ. And I'm going to kind of key in on that second to last one right now. As we enter into this moment of contemplation, I want you to, to visualize just you talking to God right now. Just you and God. Would you take some time right now, as the musicians are going to play a beautiful song, At the Cross, Love Ran Red, as the instruments are playing, would you examine your heart before God? And I'll tell you, one of the best pattern prayers is what we find in Psalm 139 from David himself. Search me, O God. And know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. See if there be any wicked way in me. Lead me in the everlasting way. Would you pray that God would search your heart, that your heart would be right with Him as we approach this time of remembrance? Do this in remembrance of me. Would you take two minutes, just you and God, search your heart before Him?
come to you this morning. We thank you for the opportunity we have to celebrate the Lord's Supper. Oh God, I pray that this would mean something to us because it means something to you. I pray, God, that we would be overwhelmed with what Jesus Christ did on our behalf on this day. Let our hearts be overwhelmed with humility and grace. We could not earn your favor. We could do nothing to earn a standing before you. It was only through the shed blood of Jesus Christ. And so this morning I pray, Father, that you would overwhelm us with that thought. Thank you for the opportunity we have to celebrate this Lord's Supper. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. I want us to start this morning with uh, remembrance. The body, the broken body of Jesus Christ. Did anybody not receive one of these coming in today? Do you need these little cool <laughs> Creative here. If you need one of those, there's some in the back. We can distribute those. But otherwise, uh, would you be prepared to lift the tab for the the body of Christ, the recognition of the bread. Scripture says, Paul says in 1 Corinthians 11, through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, he says, For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the same night in which he was betrayed, he took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take Eat, this is my body which is broken for you. (sighs) Do this in remembrance of me. So this morning, brothers and sisters in Jesus Christ, with hearts full of humble gratitude, would you please partake with me? Paul also says this in verse 25 of 1 Corinthians 11, in the same manner he also took the cup after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. So much symbolism there. So much meaning in that concept of new covenant in my blood. But then he says this, do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Brothers and sisters in Christ, hearts full of humble gratitude this morning. Please partake with me. Would you stand with us as we sing a song of celebration? If you know this song, sing it out. If you do not know this song, encourage your heart with the words, the lyrics of this song. Let's sing together, At the Cross, Love Ran Red. Please. 
Father, we come to you now as we open your holy word. I pray that you would please speak to our hearts in a very, very clear, dynamic way today. That your Holy Spirit would reveal to us 
areas in our lives that need to be changed, that we would obey. Thank you for your mercy and your love and your grace. Thank you for calling us to be your own. I pray today, Father, in the short time that we have, that we would overwhelm our hearts with the fact that Jesus Christ is the cornerstone. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. I want to invite all of you this morning to take your Bibles, please, and turn to 1 Peter chapter 2. As you're turning, I just want to say a quick welcome. I know Jim already welcomed you, but I want to say how absolutely thrilled we we are that you are here today. We're so thankful that God brought you to worship corporately with us today. I know there's several that could not be with us today. Uh, I know we still have this, this, this world of pandemic talk that's going on and some that need to stay home. There are several traveling today, but I want to thank God that you're here today. So thank you for joining us. Those who are watching live stream, welcome. We're thankful to God that you are tagging in today. Uh, for those who are listening on the radio, we praise God that you're listening as well. I want to just say this before we jump into this text and this talk today. Um, just kind of a quick plug. Last week we prayed over our children. We prayed for the children of this church. And I want to just remind you to continue that. I hope that all week long you've been praying for the young ones in this church. Um, whether It doesn't matter what school they attend, but praying for them. Praying diligently for them. And I hope God's reminded you of that. But then I want to take the discussion just a step further today with this. as uh, Just kind of a call for you to pray about something. Pray about your potential role in youth ministries here. Maybe as a nursery worker or as a children's teacher or a teen mentor. Um, basically this. As, as we weather this storm, and it is a storm. Just like we talked about at last and a couple weeks ago. As we weather this storm, especially all the uncertainties of school opening, uh, reopenings, as we weather this storm, we are looking forward to starting ministries back up as we can, uh, as, we, as, as we're able. Um, we want to just go all gung-ho right now, and we're going to start in stages. But one of the most important parts of this entire children. We're praying diligently about that, ministering to our teens, giving them opportunities to grow in Christ. If you have interest in helping with that, please see, uh, you can talk to myself, one of the other elders, please see Danielle Taylor, who's, who's not here today, but would you see one of us? She is our nursery coordinator, our CPK children's director. Um, but if you have interest, please talk to us on that. Please pray about that. Uh, just kind of a glimpse of some things we've been talking about uh, through the fall. Hopefully, by God's grace, sometime here in the next month, we're, we're hoping to start a, basically a family discipleship night. It probably happen on a Wednesday night where we have classes for our teens, classes for our young ones. Parental support where we can come together and we're going to minimize it down to an hour of just studies, prayers, encouragement, support. 
6 to 7 o'clock, get home with your family. We're really praying about that. So if you would keep that in mind as we work, work towards that and pray about your possibility of... So, today, if you're new with us, we're going to continue on in our study looking to Jesus... Today we're going to look at Jesus, our cornerstone. I've already talked about this in introduction. Through times when our faith is tested, just like it is right here, right now. Going through this just storm of thoughts in our minds. As our faith is tested, we want to embrace the exhortation of Hebrews chapter 12, 1 and 2. And here's the exhortation. Look to Jesus. Fix your eyes on Jesus, the author and finisher of your faith. So we've been doing that. Every week we've been fixing our eyes on on a different aspect, maybe a different characteristic of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Our hearts have been full as we've looked at the fact that Jesus is the supreme rescuer. Jesus is the promised conqueror. Jesus is the giver of joy. We cannot manipulate this joy. It can only come through Jesus. Jesus is the calmer of the storm. I don't even know if you can kind of say it that way, but yeah, that's in the Scripture. He calms the storm. Last week we took like a little bit of a variation to the study. As we look to Jesus, well, we're called in Luke 14 to follow Jesus. What does it mean to be a follower of Jesus? We took that view last week in Luke chapter 14. Well, today we're going to look to Jesus, our cornerstone. I want us to jump right to the text this morning. And like I said earlier, today's going to look a little bit different, differently and um, how we do things with the study. We have, we're going to enjoy church affirmations of membership in just a minute. We're going to enjoy baptisms in just a minute. But I want us to take next 20 30 minutes and dial in on this text 1st Peter chapter 2 verses 4 through 10 would you uh, you can look with me on the back of your handout if, if you want or look in your as i simply read verses 4 through 10 this morning peter says this through the spirit as you come to him and we're we're referring to jesus here as you come to jesus A living stone, rejected by men, but in the sight of God, chosen and precious. You yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. And I continue to read in verse 6 here. For it stands... In scriptures, behold, I lay in Zion. I am laying in Zion a stone, a cornerstone, chosen and precious. And whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. Verse 7, so the honor is for you who believe, but for those who do not believe, the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone and a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. They stumble because they disobey destined to do. Verse 9, But 
You are a chosen race. You are a royal priesthood. A holy nation. A people for His own possession. That you may proclaim the excellencies of Him who called you out of darkness into His marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not uh, received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Wow, I mean, I could just close my Bible and pray and we can go home because that's so powerful. Maybe some of you are like, would you just do that? But no. (laughs) Let's unpack this a little bit this morning. We're going to ask ourselves, what is this beautiful text of Scripture? Who's writing it? Who is he writing it to? Well, we know this is Peter. The Apostle Peter writing through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. We've talked quite frequently over the last five months of Peter's writings. So I'm not going to spend a lot of time setting up a context here, but we do know this. This was Peter, the legitimate apostle of Jesus Christ. I need to add that um, defining word there. Legitimate apostle of Jesus Christ, as is described in Scripture. Who himself experienced times of... Peter struggled through uncertainty. This Peter, the apostle of Jesus Christ, also went through times of uncertainty and struggling. There were times at night I would imagine that Peter could not sleep, just like some of us in this room right now. There was times when he did sleep, but he woke up with that knot on in his stomach. That's this Peter. This suffering, this uncertainty. This was Peter, the follower of Christ, who was committed to obeying the commission of Jesus Christ. Seeing other followers of Christ come to Jesus like at Pentecost on the Temple Mount. We're going to kind of reference the temple a little bit today when we talk about the cornerstone. But this is Peter standing there and 3,000 followers of Jesus Christ come at one time and are baptized. That's this Peter. This Peter who's writing these things um, was committed to Jesus Christ. He was, he was a normal dude though. He struggled, as you go through scriptures, he actually struggled with an intense fear of man. How he would be received. Even though he did dynamic things in the name of Jesus Christ, he still had this fear of certain people thinking certain things about him. That's this Peter. This Peter was the recipient of one of the most profound statements on the church that you will ever read. This Peter received this from Jesus Christ himself in Matthew 16. And this is a whole other discussion. We've already kind of touched on this couple, well, about last year. But Matthew 16, Peter receives this from Jesus. Peter, I will build my church, Peter. And the gates of Hades, or death, will not prevail against it. That's Peter receiving these words from Jesus. This Peter was writing this passage, 1 Peter 2, all of 1st 2nd Peter. He's writing this to encourage followers of Jesus Christ who were enduring intense persecution, trials, suffering, as they were ripped from their houses and physically 
dispersed, what's known as the diaspora, dispersed throughout modern-day Turkey. Okay, so we're maybe not quite there yet, but I'm going to tell you, brothers and sisters in Christ, we may not be far from that. This is a group of people who've been ripped away from all they knew from childhood on and spread out to the known world. And now they're, they're struggling to try to figure out relationship with God and what God is doing in this church. So people that would worship in Jerusalem, they participated in Pentecost. They saw the, the church in Jerusalem. Then they saw spread like a wildfire churches through the known world. They saw all this happening. And then they're spread out, kicked out of their homes, ripped away through persecution. And now they're looking back and saying, okay, really? How is this church going to work? I think that's why Peter writes this passage and he reminds us of the cornerstone of the church. The cornerstone of the church is not you and it's not me. The cornerstone of the church is not any mere human The cornerstone of the church is the perfect God-man, Jesus Christ. And so when we go through this passage, we find this key idea that we want to study today. As our faith is tested, we must fix our eyes on the cornerstone. Another way to say that this would be this. As our faith is tested, we must set our affection and our attention on the cornerstone. We must never take our eyes off of that cornerstone as the body of Christ and the the building as we saw in these verses as we read, as it is being established and has been established the last 2,000 years. We must never take our eyes off the chief cornerstone, Jesus Christ. So what about this cornerstone? You've probably heard of this uh, in several different studies or, or sermons in the past. Some of you could probably articulate this much better than I would in the next five minutes. But what about this cornerstone? What is this cornerstone? What comes to mind when you think of cornerstone? We had a good discussion last night as a family. We were just sitting around about to go to bed and ask, what is cornerstone? Some awesome thoughts from my my children. What is this thought of cornerstone? Well, here's some basic descriptions of this. I mean, in modern day construction, it's not as prevalent as it used to be in the construction of antiquity. Historically, when you had a cornerstone, this was the first stone in construction that was set. This first stone that was set would then guide the entire building process. Anything that happened in that construction project was built off of that cornerstone. Uh, One writer says, careful calculations and measurements were taken to ensure that the cornerstone was square to ensure the proper alignment of the remainder of the building. Seeing that that cornerstone was set just right. Another writer says this, the cornerstone was the first stone laid in the foundation and defined It defined the placing of each subsequent stone. Every stone that was added to this house or this structure was defined by that cornerstone. As such, it defined and supported the entire building. The cornerstone held it all together as each stone was meticulously put in place. (laughs) 
How more beautiful of a metaphor could you have for what happens in the body of Christ than the cornerstone? Jesus Christ is our cornerstone. By the way, a special note. Did Jesus know a little bit about the cornerstone and practical construction work? Absolutely. In our minds, we picture Jesus as purely a carpenter. But in this era of time, this carpenter was actually doubled as a masonry worker. They would work with stones. Not just wood, but stones. They were involved in the entire building process. And one of the major aspects of building process was stonework, masonry work. Jesus knew a little bit about masonry work. Actually, a lot about masonry work. Absolutely, when you think of this concept of cornerstone, it sets the pace, it sets the direction for the entire building. So uh, several years ago, I had the privilege with Hannah of going to Israel. I will tell you, there was one day that particularly sticks in my mind. I don't know if you can see it. Off to the right there, it's kind of a poor quality. I'm standing in the shadows, uh, yellow striped shirt. There was in the Temple Mount, there, the southwest wall, you would find this Herodian Ashlar uh, cornerstone. This particular stone, which actually, because the temple was destroyed, uh, you, you probably couldn't tag this directly to Herod himself. Um, it's hard to tell exactly how all that came together because it was ripped apart. The Temple Mount it was rebuilt later. When you think about this Herodian stone, though, this is massive. All right, almost 40 feet long, four feet high, eight, uh, six or eight feet thick. Eight feet wide, four feet tall, 40 feet long. This is huge. How much do you think something like that weighed? 80 tons. My son David looked at that last night. I was kind of working. He was peeking his head over his, uh, my shoulder, and he's like, how did they move that thing? <laughs> Good question, David. This is a modern marvel in construction, and there's one stone upon another. But this is the largest stone in the Temple Mount. Okay? Here's the crazy thing, though. This isn't the cornerstone. It is a cornerstone. It is not the cornerstone of this. I mean, you'd have to go way under the ground to find the cornerstone. Nonetheless, it is a cornerstone. Here's the beauty of the whole discussion today. How big and how grand stones are. You are not going to ever find a more beautiful cornerstone than our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. When we think of this cornerstone, I need to amp up the pace here a little bit. Cornerstone, simply enough, provides stability for the structure and direction for the structure. Think of this with me. We've already kind of mentioned it. If Simply this. If the cornerstone was strong, you would have a strong building. If the cornerstone was weak or low in quality, you would have a weak and unstable building. So you needed to find that perfect stone to set your building on. The cornerstone was the guide that set the directions for all of the, bu- the building. The builders would spend weeks, months, potentially even years on certain structures, finding and developing that perfect stone. It would take a numerous amount of construction workers, days and months sometimes, chiseling out 
out of that limestone, that ashlar, um, Herodian ashlar form cornerstone, months, chiseling away these stones to get it perfect. So many ways we can develop this metaphor. Thinking of the way that our God through the Holy Spirit developed this thought of the cornerstone all leading us to the person and work of Jesus Christ. 4,000 years of history through the prophets, through the teachers of God, through the writing of Scripture, getting us ready to set this cornerstone, to receive this cornerstone. As we think of all of this, Here's the simple fact that we must hold on to today is this. Brothers and sisters in Christ, Jesus is our cornerstone. Let us never forget this. Would you look with me again at verse 4? As you come to him. (laughs) That is a beautiful statement. As you have responded to him in repentant faith. And there's, there's more of an ongoing aspect to this word. It's not as just like a a one and done type thing. I've come to Jesus. No, it's a continuous thing. As you have come or as you are coming to Him. You have come to Him in repentant faith, but brothers and sisters in Christ, every single day we come to the cornerstone. Every day we depend on the chief cornerstone. As you come to Him, and then we find this beautiful wording, a living stone rejected by men, but in the sight of God chosen and precious, You yourselves, so it's very practical now, very personal. You yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. There's no way we're going to unpack this in the depth that's required. But I want us to simply take a couple minutes and dial into verse 4. That verse right there, the first one. Can we just take a couple minutes and find some of these descriptors of this cornerstone? I think it tells the story very well, just dialing in even to this one verse. As you come to him, a living stone rejected by men, but in the sight of God, chosen and precious. What is the first descriptor you find in verse 4 of Jesus? The cornerstone. He is what? He's a living stone. Yes, take that one to the bank. He is living. Living means, it's very complicated, it means to be alive. It means to show vitality and offer life. I mean, this is a direct contrast to what? A dead, lifeless, unresponsive stone. Something you try to talk to and it's not going to talk back to you. Something that's not going to move. I mean, why is this so important? Here's why it's so important. Because historically, what have God's creation done? They've worshipped the creation more than a creator. We get super creative and we chisel away these images made out of stone to make them look beautifully. But as beautiful as you make this thing, it's not going to respond to you. It's dead. It's lifeless. When you look at how Peter describes Jesus, he is a living Active stone, this cornerstone, your Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, He's living and He's active. He's just as active today as He was 2,000 years ago. Just as active as He was at the creation, as we're going to see next week. The preeminent creator, 
Jesus is living. He's the living cornerstone. And we continue on with another awesome description of this cornerstone because in our minds we have this beautiful picture of this cornerstone, this foundation. But as clearly articulated in Scripture, this cornerstone was rejected. As sufficient as the prophets and the writers shared that this cornerstone would be, we understand historically that this Jesus was rejected. I'll never forget that same trip, the same day that we saw that cornerstone in the Temple Mount, and I was just like, wow, that's huge. We took one of these walks through the Bennick Tunnels. Some of you may have been there. Any of you gone through those Rabbinic Tunnels next to the western wall there? It's awesome. You're going through there, and you come to this little, like, open room down there that would have been, um, it was a cutout, an excavation of, what it, of the ground level when Jesus would have been there. And all of a sudden, you come up to this rock that's a little bit off-center, and it's sitting right in the middle of this excavation. And our guide stopped, and he said, how many, what, what verse comes to mind? Because very possibly, this stone was here when Jesus walked these streets. Very possibly Jesus stopped next to this stone and said, the stone that the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone. This stone was rejected. Obviously, we know as you go through your Bibles, you go through human history, what is the climax of this rejection? Yes, we know it. It is the cross of Calvary where Jesus suffered and bled and died for you and for me. That is the climax of this rejection. But brothers and sisters in Christ, that rejection didn't stop there. It should be no surprise to you and to me that every day thousands and thousands and millions of people are rejecting Jesus as the Savior. And Peter nonetheless says this stone is precious to us. I think in verse 8, Peter, he cites Isaiah 4, or 8.14, describes this rejection perfectly. He says, the stone of stumbling and the rock of offense, they stumble because they disobey the word as they were destined to do. Wrap your mind around that. If you read this verse, we constantly remember that God is God and I am not. We must remember that as beautiful as this cornerstone is to us, He is the stone of stumbling for so many others. They are offended by Jesus and will ultimately be fairly judged by this Jesus, this cornerstone. Justly tried by this Jesus. About this cornerstone, I just want to mention two more. This one, we have to analyze this one. He was thoughtfully selective. Catch this. Verse 4. As you come to him, a living stone rejected by men, but in the sight of God, chosen. (laughs) He's chosen by God. Chosen means to be carefully selected. Not just to just haphazardly like, yeah, that one will work. No, this is a careful selection of the Savior, Jesus Christ. So much more could be said about this, but 
Peter actually references passages in verses 6 through 8 that I think help this come alive. He references uh, three, three Old Testament passages in this one text, but one of them is Psalm 118. Psalm 118, 22 for, and 23. Here it is. I'm just going to read it. The stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. This is the Lord's doing. Catch that. This is the Lord's doing, not yours. Andrew Scott, this is the Lord's doing, this cornerstone, not yours. I love how Peter experienced this in such a dynamic way in Matthew chapter 17. If you remember what happens in Matthew chapter 17, Peter and James and John go up to this mount and Jesus is transfigured before them. It's, it's an awesome passage. And Peter can't help himself. I mean, we're talking about the one, the human author of this text. He can't help himself but open his mouth. This dynamic thing that's happening. Jesus is transformed before them. They're passing out. That's so amazing. Peter, James, and John. And what does Peter do? The one, you know, open mouth, insert foot guy. Speak first, think later. And he says, oh boy, let's make three tabernacles here. One for each. And God himself interrupts Peter. I'm not joking. I mean, Matthew 17, 5 says this. He was still speaking. This is Peter. He was still speaking when, behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them, and a voice from the cloud said, This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. Listen to Him. Shut up, Peter, and listen to Him. I think we could take a good good dose of that every day of our lives. It's not about me. It's not about you. It's about the chief. To him, a very basic way to process this, brothers and sisters, is, is this. This cornerstone of the church is not open for debate. Catch that. It's not open for debate. God settled this. We don't get an opinion on the matter. Oh boy, that not that cornerstone, but that one, like shopping for church carpet, right? No. It is not like shopping for church carpet. There's one thing that's set here. It is Jesus Christ is the cornerstone. God already made this election. Deal with it. We don't need to keep looking for another cornerstone. We don't need to keep our eyes open for the next possibility of a cornerstone. Why? Because God already chose the chief cornerstone, and it is our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. On Christ the solid rock I stand. No other ground is seen. One more. Jesus is our cornerstone, and here is one of the most beautiful descriptions that you'll ever find in the Scriptures. When you think of a stone, you often can think of something with worth. We had one of our favorite stops when we lived at the top of the mountains in Colorado, Leadville, Colorado. It was the Rock Hut. And you walk in there and you see the price tags on some of those rocks and you're like, what? That looks just like the one in my backyard. (laughs) But I'm going to tell you, there are rocks of incredible worth. Just go look at the crown jewels in England. You can't put a price tag on these. These diamonds. But I want to tell you, this is how Peter, through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, describes the chief cornerstone. Look with me, if you would, at verse 4 again. 
one word. As you come to him, a living stone rejected by men, but in the sight of God chosen, and here it is. Oh, it's so precious. Some of you right now are thinking of a little fella. Smeagol Gollum, my precious. Okay. That doesn't even scratch the surface to what's happening in this passage. This precious stone, this word precious means of considerable worth. You can't top this. Back to Psalm 118, I think it, it kind of comes to life by the, the, the psalmist here. Says, he said, this is the Lord's doing and it is marvelous in our eyes. You ever stand and look at something and just marvel? Wow, how did that happen? That is what the chief cornerstone is to be to, uh, to you and to me every single day of our lives. Wow, how beautiful is that? Brothers and sisters in Christ, young and old, this cornerstone is not some lifeless memorial. No, 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 no. Our cornerstone is Jesus Christ who is altogether beautiful. He is of considerable wealth. He is of substantial worth. You cannot top this cornerstone. This is the Lord's doing, and it is marvelous in our eyes. So what? There's so much more we could say about this text, and your homework is to go home this week and study it some more. I just dialed in on verse 4. So much more that could be said about this. But in this so what, this application, I want to ask this question. Will you today find your personal stability and direction from the cornerstone Jesus Christ. So as you kind of travel through this text, you find both personal application and corporate application. What do I mean? Personal application speaks to you and me. Corporate application speaks to us. So let's start with the personal application. Is Jesus Christ your cornerstone? Yes, you Young to old here. What is your house built on? Hopefully not a politician. Hopefully not a guru or an icon or an influencer. That's a big deal right now. Is your life built on the solid rock, Jesus Christ? Every decision you make is aligned to that cornerstone. Everything you do is plumb and square because you look at your cornerstone, Jesus Christ. He's never out of your eyes. If you have never come to Jesus Christ by faith, oh friend, please respond today. You cannot earn this love and this grace of Jesus Christ. You can do nothing to earn this. It is all of His mercy and grace on the cross of Calvary for you and for me. Would you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and today be saved? Do not leave this building today without putting your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. Young ones, who's talk with your parents, talk with me, but most of all, talk with Jesus, the one that can save your soul. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. <clears throat> if you have been, if you have placed your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, would you consider this question with me today? 
Has your attention been distracted away from the cornerstone? Oh, I, I had the privilege this last, well, however you want to call this quarantine period. <laughs> the first couple weeks of it was all novel to us, and we got so many projects around the house done, and then the summer hit, and we die when we go outside. But one of those projects I tried to do is just line some pavers, put some uh, planters in the front of our house. And the first stone was the hardest, as is typical to this. Get it there. Line it up. Pack it down. Get it all lined up. Set that one. Set the, the lines so you get them all straight. Get the levels all set up so you can get it going. And I'm going to tell you, there were times in this little tiny building project that made me feel good about myself sometimes that I would forget about this line and this level, and I'd get four or five or six pavers deep, and I'd look back and be like, oh dear, you got to be kidding me. (laughs) Nothing was heading the right way, and it was all up and down. Tear it all up and go back. Why? Because I got distracted. I'm going to ask you this. Have you been distracted from the chief cornerstone recently? Jesus Christ. Would you take a clear, fresh look at the precious stone that will never let you down? One more question when it comes to corporate. Remember I said personally there's application, then corporate application, communal application, however you want to say this. It is for the body of Christ. And here's a good question for us. At Cross Point Community Church, will we corporately find our shared stability and direction from our cornerstone? What do I mean? Well, verse 5. If you look at verse 5, he says this, You yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house. Hey, we're all living stones here, and this is the beauty of it. The one living stone produces all these living stones. Here's what he says, To be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Christ Jesus. So the question is this, will Jesus Christ be everything to us all the time at Cross Point Community Church? Not entertainment, not programs, not the latest, greatest, bestest, but Jesus Christ, the cornerstone. Will Jesus Christ be our firm foundation? Will Jesus Christ be our source of stability and direction? Cross Point Community Church, will you embrace this call to always look to Jesus Christ, the chief cornerstone? Will you pray diligently for the elders here at this church that we would never lose sight of Jesus, the cornerstone? That we would constantly align ourselves for stability and direction at Cross Point Community Church because where our eyes are fixed. I want to close today in a bit different of a way. Because I love how the scriptures is so intentional. So intentional. Jesus Christ himself, the apostles through the writings, set in dynamic reminders to us to not let Jesus Christ stray from our vision. They've set in ways, built in in our worship, how we can remind ourselves that Jesus is our cornerstone. How? Hey, we just participated in one of them, the Lord's Supper. You know, it's to remind us often that this gathering is not about me, it's not about you. It is the Lord's Supper. The Lord's Supper is a dynamic reminder of the death of Jesus Christ. We just celebrated that. Here's another one. The celebration of baptism. Believer's baptism. 
This is not just a suggestion in the Scripture. It's, it's beautiful to see how this is set up as an identification with Jesus Christ. Okay, what is to remind us of the cornerstone Jesus Christ? Well, what we're about to observe in just a minute in the, in the baptismal waters. Not only do we have a celebration of the death of Jesus Christ in the Lord's Supper, we have a celebration of the resurrection of Jesus Christ from baptism. But we also have other things set up, and I love this because we're going to get a taste of this today as we affirm new members of this church. Obviously, new membership does not mean special salvation or special status. No, 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 no. But what it means is unity through humility. It means we're in this for accountability. We're in this for direction, gospel-centered direction. We're in this to see worship organized in a way that pleases God. When you look at church membership through the scriptures, you find this beautiful evidence focusing on the selfless life of Christ lived out here in what's known as the body of Christ. I mean, I just mentioned three of these things you find in the New Testament in your Bible. I mean, the Lord's Supper, helping us to remember the cornerstone that He died for us. Baptism, helping us to remember the new life of Jesus Christ and the resurrection. Unity in the body of Christ, celebrating the selflessness of Jesus Christ. Well, brothers and sisters, today we get to celebrate all three. And so we're going to end in just a little bit different way. But before we do that, I want to read to you a passage that is in your homework this week. I believe it's on the back of your handout. Dig into this passage. Ephesians chapter 2, 19 through 22. I'm going to read this as we continue this theme of the building. Here's what we find through Paul. So then you, I'm talking primarily referencing Gentiles, who've been saved by God's grace, included in God's plan given to Abraham. If you remember, through him all the nations would be blessed, finding our significance in Jesus Christ. Paul says this, So then you are no longer strangers and aliens. Praise God, I'm no longer an alien. (laughs) It's in the Bible. But you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. Yes! We're brothers and sisters in the household of God, as ugly as it might get. The foundation of the apostles and prophets, we're talking about their theology, the apostles' doctrine in Acts 2. Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone, don't we ever forget it. Together grows into a temple, a holy temple in the Lord. In Him, you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. We're going to take some time right now and pray. Thank God for our life at Cross Point Community Church and our new, committed, devoted members. That God has laid on their heart to connect to this body. God, I am so thankful for your work of grace. Overwhelms me when things seem shut down, when things seem to even a bit of collapse in the world we live in right now. This is the church of the living God. You're active, you're doing something. And you have prepared these friends, these followers of Christ. I'm so thankful, God. 
I pray that you would give grace for them to find areas of ministry to plug into, even in these awkward times that we live in, that you would keep them by your grace. They will be under the attack of the wicked one. And oh God, I pray that you would keep them by your grace. And I pray that we as a church of God, your church, would keep them accountable to the life of the scriptures, the life of being a follower of Jesus Christ. Thank you so much for this, this, these new family members. And I pray that you would help them to feel welcome today. You're so good and you're so gracious to us, God. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.